Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. It is good to be with you on this beautiful third Sunday of the month of November in downtown Athens, Georgia, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And to be sure, we have a lot to give thanks for this morning. Amen? Amen. I mean, first and foremost, we are, we are thankful uh, to be welcoming 13 new members to our church this morning. What a, what a celebration that is. We are always grateful for our incredible music ministry. So thank you this morning, Aaron. Uh, I am also grateful, I just want to say, for our incredible Flower Guild. Amen? I mean, just uh, such a wonderful job they do every single week. Never fails to uh, impress. And then, of course, we are also grateful for the outcome of that little competition up in Knoxville yesterday. Now, they did try. They tried to get to us. They brought in Dolly Parton to see if they could, if they could mess with us. But nevertheless, our, our dogs came out on top, and we are grateful. So what more perfect uh, scripture for us to read from this morning uh, than a word from the Apostle Paul, who actually is encouraging a church in, in a, uh, a Greek town called Thessalonica, uh, one of the things he wants that church to know is how to be grateful. So this morning, I will read to you from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter, starting with verse 12. Hear now the word of God. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you, Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work, and live in peace with one another. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle and disruptive, and to encourage the timid, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else, and rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O gracious God, may the words of my lips and the the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here together be holy and acceptable in your sight, thou who art our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So when I was growing up, um, whenever my parents would go out for more than a couple hours at a time and they would leave uh, me and my siblings at home alone by ourselves, one of the things that they were always intentional about doing uh, is they would uh, leave us a list of instructions and reminders about things they wanted us to do or to remember while they were away. Now, of course, the reason they did this, remember, is because this was way before the cell phone era. This was way before there was such a thing as text messaging. So there there was no way for them to just, you know, kind of check in and see how we're doing or, hey, don't forget to do this. There was none of that. I mean, back in that day, when you left, you left and you were like communicationless for hours at a time, which meant that we kids, when we were left by ourselves, we were on our own, left to our own devices. I mean, in the Lawson household, it was like Lord of the Flies. 
We were totally wild, completely untamed, and even a little feral. But nevertheless, uh, what my parents would do is they would, uh, in an effort to kind of instill a sense of like orderliness to the house before they left, uh, they would leave us just a little list of things that they wanted us to do or to remember. The things that they would put on their list were pretty typical, you know, they would say things like, now don't, for, don't forget kids, we're going to be at the Hendersons till 11 o'clock tonight. Here's their home phone, remember those? <laughs> Here's their home phone number in case you need it. And then they would say something like, uh, and don't forget, uh, while we're gone to, uh, to do some chores, like uh, feed the fish and let the dog out, and, and remember that the lasagna goes in at 425 for an hour. These are the kinds of things that my parents would remind us anytime they would leave. But of course, as a typical teenager, we never paid any attention to any of this stuff. You know, we were half listening, didn't care. If they asked to, to uh, you know, repeat back whatever was on the list, we'd say, yeah, 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 we got it. It's fine. We got it. Well, what do you want? What did, what did we put on the list? I, easy. Let the fish out, feed the lasagna, put the dog in at 425 for an hour. It's gonna be fine. Just go and have fun. In spite of the fact that these lists never really tended to do much good, that's what my parents would leave us. It was their way of saying, hey, while we're gone, here's a couple things we want you to do. Interestingly, that's something that the Apostle Paul liked to do too. Because if you've ever read any of his letters to the early churches, Uh, then you probably know that one of his customs at the end of those epistles was to leave kind of a a final list of exhortations or instructions for those churches any time that he was going to be absent. So in other words, this was his way of saying, hey, while I'm away, I want you to remember to do this or to do that or to not do this or to not do that while I'm gone. This morning, what we read from was Paul's list of instructions to the church at Thessalonica. Now, if you know your geography, you know that Thessalonica was a, a, a coastal city in northern Greek, Greece. And, and, and what Paul knew about this church was the fact that they were kind of young in their faith, you know, inexperienced. They, they were mostly pagan converts. And so what Paul wanted to do when he was writing kind of this final list of exhortations for them was to remind them of some of the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith. And so he just kind of starts going down a list saying, all right, here's what I want you to remember to do. Number one, live in peace with one another. And, and, and I want you to, to encourage the timid and to help the weak and to, to be patient with one another and try to be kind to one another. And one by one, Paul just kind of goes right down this list. Well, when we get to verses 16, 17, and 18, Paul offers us what I think is one of the most unique set of instructions in the entire New Testament because in rapid succession, what Paul says to us is this. Be joyful always to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I read a list like that that's so uh, difficult, I often wonder if what Paul is using here is a bit of hyperbole. Because, I mean, to think about what he's asking us to do, to be joyful all the time, to never stop praying, to to give thanks in every single circumstance of life, no matter what 
That's a pretty tall order. And so maybe what Paul is doing here is he's just using kind of exaggerated speech. Maybe he's being hyperbolic, you know, in order to make his point about how he wants us to live out the Christian faith. If he is being hyperbolic, it would make sense to all of us because that's something that we still do even today. In fact, even when we don't realize it, you and I love to use hyperbolic speech. For instance, there are plenty of people who would say something like, oh, I don't know, like, oh man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get done tonight. I still have like a million things to do. And it's like, oh really, a million? You still have a million things to do? Well, not a million, but you know what I'm saying. It's, I've got a lot. Got it. Or have you ever been to a, a worship service before where the preacher just keeps going on and on and on? I mean, not here, but somewhere else. Have you ever been to a church like that before? And the preachers just won't stop. And you're like, oh my gosh, this sermon is taking forever. Really forever? Is he really taking till the end of eternity? Well, not forever, literally, but you know what I mean. It's taking a long time. It's hyperbolic. I even had a friend of mine once call me and he said, you know, Jeremy, listen. I, next year, I, I hope I finally get a raise next year. Because last year, my salary was so low, I got a sympathy card from the IRS, he said. <laughs> and I said, get at it. That's not true. He's just being hyperbolic. And that's one of the things that we like to use in order to kind of emphasize our point, right? Well, maybe that's what Paul's doing here. You know, maybe Paul's just using hyperbole. Because in, to, to, to think about what he's asking us to do, I mean, to, to be joyful always, to never stop praying, to, to give thanks in every single circumstance. It's a mighty tall order. Maybe it's true that Paul was exaggerating in this list of three instructions that he offers the Thessalonian church. But I will tell you that after much thought, much study, looking into the matter, I am absolutely convinced that when Paul tells us to be joyful always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in every circumstance, he meant it literally. He literally expected us to do those three things. Now, when it comes to the first two things, we can kind of make sense of it if you really think about it. Because to be joyful always, for instance, what Paul is saying there is not that he wants us to walk around with, you know, like a permanent smile affixed to our face and we just look, we look you know, smiling all the time. No, that, that's just being happy. And Paul knew that there's a big difference between being happy and joyful. No, being joyful, he said, goes a whole lot deeper than that. To be joyful uh, is something that resides deep in our bones. It's something that, that exists regardless of our circumstance, and that's because our hope is connected to our hope in Jesus Christ. Our joy can be something that we have always. Why? Because Paul believed that our hope in Jesus will never disappoint us. So if you think about it like that, you can kind of say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That we can be joyful always because it's connected to our hope. But the second one makes sense, too, when you realize that when Paul says to pray without ceasing, what he's saying is not that we should, like, walk around with our eyes closed and heads bowed and hands folded all day long. 
But rather what Paul meant is that every single moment of every single day can be a conversation with God. That we can tell God what's on our hearts and what's on our minds, and we too can listen for God's voice so that God can tell us what's on God's heart and what's on God's mind. Paul believed that every moment of every day can be a holy conversation with God. And so when you think about it like that, it kind of makes sense to pray without ceasing. But where I struggle is with that third one. Give thanks in every circumstance. Because that is not easy to do. I mean, you almost wish that Paul had said, give thanks in in some circumstances, or most circumstances, but all circumstances? That's no easy task. Because you and I both know that there are plenty of circumstances in life that it would be hard for us to be grateful for in the midst of. For instance, just yesterday, I was over at the Classic Center with our clergy team and with our, our delegates for the annual conference, and we had a big church meeting, and maybe, maybe you saw it in the, in the papers earlier today. It was a big church meeting and, uh, with all of the churches in North Georgia, and, and one of the things that happened during that meeting, there were about 261 churches that decided, you know what, we don't want to be United Methodist anymore. We're, we're, we're deciding we're going to leave the annual conference. Now, now, the vast majority of churches stayed, and it only amounted to about 20% of our, of our total uh, membership in the conference. But still, that was incredibly heartbreaking. Because these are people that, that we have, all of us, have, have served with and done missions with and sat next to and prayed with. They're people that we've broken bread with and loved for all of these many years. And now you're just going to what? You're going to leave? Why would you do that? Well, we don't agree on everything these days, and there's a lot of differences of opinion. Oh, you're leaving because there's differences of opinion in the church? Welcome to the church. That's only existed for like, mm, I don't know, 2,000 years? And call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure Jesus said that our job as the church is to stay together and work it through and to trust that God will get us through even differences of opinion. So you're just going to leave like that? Yeah, yeah, we're going to leave like that. Really? And it was so hard. It was so heartbreaking. Because in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like we were in the middle of, like of, a, of a divorce proceeding. I mean, it was, it was sad. And of course, we sent them with our blessing. We sent them with our prayers. And no doubt, we are still a part of the church universal. But... Nevertheless, how do you how do you find the ability to be thankful in a situation like that? Or I can tell you on a daily basis, one of the first things I do every morning is I pick up my phone and I have a list in my iPhone notes, and it's a list of all of the people that I'm praying for every morning. And there are some of those people who are actually in the room this morning. Some of them are online. Some of them aren't attached to our church. But I will tell you that the situations that I'm praying for are extremely difficult. I mean, there are people who are going through, through cancer treatments and who have lost jobs, who have become homeless, who are, who are dealing with family stuff or personal stuff or, or stuff with their 
kids or stuff with their parents or, or medical things. And there's so many different burdens that these people are, are holding on to and have to carry. And every day I pray for them. And why? Because this stuff is really, really painful. And so how does Paul expect us to be thankful in the midst of something like that? I mean, I wish Paul would have simply said, be thankful in, in, in some circumstances, give thanks in most circumstances, but all circumstances? It's a hard thing to do. And far be it from me this morning to offer you any easy answers, but I will tell you what I've discovered about this verse in 1 Thessalonians. I have discovered that perhaps the most important word in the entire verse that Paul offers us is just two letters long. The word is in. Paul says give thanks in every circumstance, which is not the same as saying give thanks for every circumstance. Meaning that Paul does not tell us to give thanks for things like cancer or unemployment or tragedy or fill in the blank. But what he is saying is that we can give thanks in those circumstances. And the reason why is because Paul was convinced that there isn't anything that you and I will ever face in this lifetime where we won't be able to say, my God is bigger than that. There's nothing that will ever be placed in your path that you have to navigate around and you won't be able to say, my God is stronger than this. There is no circumstance that will ever befall you where you won't be able to say, my God is in control. And why? Because as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, I am convinced that we are conquerors in all things through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now notice that Paul doesn't say we're, we are conquerors in some things. He doesn't say we're conquerors in most things. He says, no, we are conquerors in all things. And why? Because he said, I am convinced that neither life nor death, angel or demons, the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul is saying is there is nothing that will ever be able to rob you of your hope because that hope is in Christ Jesus, and that is a hope that will never, ever disappoint us. And so Paul said, I want you to give thanks in every circumstance. And you know, the more I learn about Paul, the more I am convinced that for him, Thanksgiving wasn't just something that we do at church or something we say before a meal. And it certainly isn't something we reserve for one Thursday in late November every year before we eat turkey. No, for Paul, Thanksgiving was a way of life. And I don't know about you, but that, that is a reminder that I desperately needed to hear this morning. So listen, here's the deal. I, I, um, I don't know what you brought with you into church today. I, I don't know what you're carrying. I don't, I don't know what you're 
awaiting. I don't know what is going to happen this afternoon or this week or next month that you are feeling really, really anxious about. But if I could offer you just one word of encouragement this morning, one word of advice, it would simply be this, that no matter your circumstance, that you would give thanks. Because there isn't anything that you will face where you can't say, my God is bigger than this, my God is stronger than this, and my God is in control. Now, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. It's because of our faith in him and the hope that we've been given that that hope will never disappoint us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.